Jesus. If I remember the story right, there was no room for him in the end. But is there room for him in your heart, in your life? And when I talk about making room for Jesus in your heart and your life, I'm not talking about just this corner of your room that you allow Jesus in and you say, Jesus, I'll let you come out at certain times when I really need you, when, when I'm going through a difficult time and I need a miracle, or, or when I show up for Christmas at North and want to worship with the people of God, I bring you out. No, no, no. He has to take over all of you, all of your rooms. Lord of everything. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Is he Lord of your life? Oftentimes we can show up at church for years and practice religion, go through the traditions of men, and yet never surrender our life and die to ourselves and allow Jesus to rule and reign in our life. And right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to individuals because some of you came You came in Guthrie. You came in Oklahoma City right now. And the Spirit of God has been nudging you. The Spirit of God has been knocking at your doors. Do you realize the Bible says in Revelation that Jesus stands at the door and knocks? And he says, if any man, woman, child will open up, he will come in and live with them. And the Holy Spirit right now is knocking at your door and saying, let Jesus in. Let him have every part of your life. Not some part, not a little part, all of your life. And maybe you showed up today and you're kind of unsuspecting and all of a sudden you felt this conviction in your heart that there's sin in your life that needs to be given to Christ. That you're not forgiven of your sins. That you have been living a life that has not been pleasing to God. And you're saying right now, I feel the Holy Spirit. Do not, do not shrug off what the Spirit is wanting to do in your life right now. He is calling you to the foot of the cross to receive Jesus as not just Savior, but also Lord of your life. I would like for all eyes closed for just a moment. Guthrie, Oklahoma City, eyes closed because God's dealing with somebody to receive Jesus as Lord. Again, this is not just some prayer you pray to make you feel good for the moment. This is about dying to your old life and coming alive new in Jesus Christ. You have sin that needs to be covered by the blood of Jesus. If that's you and God's speaking to you, I want you to raise your hand when I count to three. Eyes closed, no one looking around. One, two, three, raise your hand. God's speaking to you, raise that hand. I see several hands uplifted. In Oklahoma City, I'm sure there's some in Guthrie right now. God's speaking. Anyone else? You can put your hands down. I want us all to pray this prayer together. Will you do it with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I need you because I'm a sinner. I need you as my Savior and my Lord. I surrender all the rooms of my life over to you. I die to myself so that you can live in me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. The name above every name. And everybody said a big amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise for what he has done in lives right now. Now, for you that prayed that prayer and you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. What's next? You go up and shake the pastor's hand, seal the deal. You go sign on a dotted line somewhere, become a member of North Church. No, that's not 
what the Bible says. What the Bible does say is that when you have that inward work of the Holy Spirit that transforms you and you become a new creation, then you ought to go public with it. And to go public with that means water baptism. Jesus exampled that himself and he told us that we should be baptized. And he said that if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father on Judgment Day. I don't want that, how about you? And so I'm going to go public like I did and some of you right now will go public and we're gonna be baptizing today in Oklahoma City and in Guthrie, just go let somebody know you want to be baptized and they will get you on the list to be baptized as soon as possible. But right now, I just wanna say this. See this guy behind me? His name is Earl Henry Magby. I took a picture with him last weekend. He is 103 years of age. 103. He told me that he was baptized, he accepted Christ and was baptized at 94 years of age. And it's changed his life. What's your excuse? Today is the day to be baptized. And so you can go to the connections area to our app, text us, let us know. We'll make sure that you are baptized. Amen. God's good, isn't he? I want you to remain standing. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter number one. Luke chapter number one. Let's go on down to verse number 39 as we kick off our reading today. Merry Christmas, by the way. I do want to encourage you that if you have not ever been a part of our Christmas at North, I'm mean, excuse me, our candlelight experiences to make plans in Guthrie and Oklahoma City. We kick them off next Wednesday in Oklahoma City. Thursday, we'll have Oklahoma City and Guthrie happening. It's a powerful time. Start a new family tradition. We ask you to go online and get a ticket. There's no, they're not paid, they're free. It just lets us know who's coming where because it's hard for us to be able with brand new experiences every year for that. We don't know who's gonna show up for what experiences. So it helps us to know when you, your family, your friends are going to come so that we can make sure that we have enough seats, candles, and all that supplied. Luke chapter number one. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. Hold there, let me give you a little context of what's going on. It says a few days later, a few days after what? A few days after Mary had an encounter with an angel of the Lord that informed her that she would be giving birth to Jesus, God, Emmanuel in her. She's like, I can't do this. I've not even known a man, a virgin that would be overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here with this bit of information, days pregnant, she runs off to Elizabeth, her aunt, who is much, much older. Matter of fact, she has passed childbearing years and never had a child herself. But her and her husband, Zachariah, had been praying, had an encounter with God also. A miracle baby happened inside Elizabeth. Inside of her is John the Baptist, who would be six months older than Jesus, who would proclaim that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Context there. Verse number 41. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad 
cry. Anybody ever given a glad cry before? I, I bet you have. And exclaim to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord, she's the mother of God, should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Anywhere Jesus shows up and is welcome, people jump for joy. Amen. I want to go to the Old Testament now. Proverbs chapter number 17. Proverbs 17, verse number 22. Both of these readings are from our reading plan of North Church this week. I hope that you're reading along with us. Proverbs 17 and verse 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine. But a broken spirit saps a person's strength. I don't want that. How about you? I want to be strong in the Lord. Amen? Strong in the Lord. Amen. Merry Christmas to everybody. You can be seated. There's a beautiful story in the Old Testament of a guy named Nehemiah. Many, many years before had been actually taken as an exile over into the Persian king, Susa. He heard that the walls of Jerusalem had been torn down. So he asked for permission to go back. He was granted permission. He didn't realize the undertaking that it was going to be to rebuild those walls. And he had a very short window to do it in. He comes back to begin to rebuild the walls and he's met with great opposition. A lot of gossip, a lot of lies. Um, a lot of things that would discourage you. Even the surrounding countries and began to threaten to, if they continued the work, uh, to come against them and fight. And you see the imagery as these individuals are building the wall with a trawl in one hand, putting together the stones and the mortar and the sword in the other hand, ready to do battle if need be. With all this going on, some of them begin to get very discouraged. And in chapter 8 and verse 10, Nehemiah says these words, Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I want you to read that last part after the comma with me. Would you do it? Here we go. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh, how many of you need the joy of the Lord? I do, I do. And today I want to talk about how we can find this joy. How is this joy fueled, and what, if anything, can stifle this joy? Let's dive into question number one. How do we find this joy? Joy is found in your Father's presence. One of the things Shannon and I love to watch is we love to FaceTime our children, specifically Gavin and Haley, and watch as oftentimes our FaceTime is really just watching our grandboys fight daddy. And they're wrestling, you know, daddy, they're all over daddy. And we're just, actually, Shannon, I just kind of enjoyed just watching that happen. And dad will be grabbing them and throwing them down. And they'll be just laughing and then throw them, you know, jump on top of him and begin to, and they have all these different wrestling holds that they have named. And they're just doing, and they're just having a blast, a blast. And then every once in a while, though, one of the boys will slip and fall and begin to cry a little bit. And all of a sudden, everything stops. Gavin just begins to go into, now let's just be compassionate we're going to nurse the wound. We're going to kiss the boo-boo. We're going to love a little bit. You see the switch that is happening as these boys find joy in their father's presence. 
Because you see, a good father knows how to be strong at the right time, but yet also knows how to soften up at the right time. And maybe you did not have a father like that, and I'm sorry that you didn't have a father like that. But let me just say, even the best of the fathers pales in comparison to our heavenly father and the joy that we can experience in his presence. Psalms says it this way in chapter 16. You will show the way of life, granting me, say it with a joy of your presence. And it's interesting, notice the tense here. You will, you will show me. Look at Acts chapter number two. Jesus has come. Jesus has went back to the right hand of his heavenly father. Notice what it says. You have shown me the way of life and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Here's one thing I've learned in life is that God's presence is guaranteed. Isn't that good to know? It means that you can't run from his presence. You can't sin enough to get away from his presence. In fact, he says it this way. You can make your bed in hell. He's there. You can go to the highest of mountains, he's there. Anywhere between, he is there. The question is not if God's presence is guaranteed or not. The question is, how will you experience God's presence? You see, because God's presence is guaranteed, but the way we experience his presence is optional. How can I maximize his presence? Let me give you just a few things to think about. One, acknowledge his presence. Every day, just stop and acknowledge just right now, just breathe in and breathe out. One more time, breathe in, breathe out. Do you realize that you breathed in right then, Ruach? Ruach goes all the way back to Genesis chapter number one and verse number two. It's the breath of God, God's very personal presence and power that you breathed in and breathed out and you can't do that without him. And every day, just acknowledging his presence as you drive down the road, acknowledging his presence when you wake up in the morning, acknowledging his presence when you're going through a difficult time, acknowledging his presence. Also, gratitude for his presence. You want to increase the joy of the Lord and acknowledge, just be grateful for his presence. Henry Magby, that I showed the picture of a while ago, 103 years of age, Somebody on our staff overheard him last week as he was seated over here to my left, overheard him say, I, I really can't see much and I can't hear much, but I love being here. You know what he's acknowledging? I'm grateful. I'm grateful. You know what I like about him? He is getting sweeter as he gets older. I know a lot of people that they get more grumpy and complaining and Bitter as they get older. I don't want to be that. I want to be grateful for what God has given me. Oh, and the joy of the Lord will fill your heart. Also, be intentional about his presence. Be intentional. And what does that mean? It means that every day I'm going to give myself to intentionally seeking after his presence. How do I do that? Through prayer. Come on, every day, breathe. Just, just say, God, I love you. God, I, you know what you're doing? You're praying. And when you bring him into the equations of your life, whatever those equations are, you're just saying right now, I, I, I realize I can't do it myself. I need God. When, when you have a difficult situation at work, you just stop and say, God, I need, your whole, I need your spirit right now to give me the wisdom that I need to respond in this situation. 
When you're facing discouragement, just stop and say, God, your presence is here. I need you right now to build me up and give me what I need. The joy that I'm missing, fill my heart with that joy. Get into God's word. Intentionality, reading God's word. I don't understand people that say they are followers of Christ are not reading what Christ is saying to them. And his instructions, meditate on the word of God. Just, just think on it. Think on the goodness of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God, power of God. Just meditate and then gather. Gather with the people of God. And when you gather with the people of God, come on, pray. Read God's word. Proclaim his goodness. Worship together. Oh, I'm talking about being in your Father's presence and the joy that comes with that. Behind me is a picture of Winston Bowie and his sister, Carol. Uh, Winston was five years old when he came as a refugee from, um, from Vietnam, ended up in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, when he was a senior in high school, raised as in a Buddhist family. At a senior in high school, he got invited to a youth group, went into that youth group, and over time began to fall in love with the relationships and the friendships, and, but more importantly, he was introduced to Jesus Christ and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and his life was transformed by the power of God. He began to pray for his family. He left from Bartlesville uh, to go off to college at Northeastern State University. Uh, ended up getting involved with a college ministry called Chi Alpha. Eventually became a pastor and is now a part of our church here. But, but his sister, he began to pray for because she knew, he knew that she was going to go to Oklahoma State and that I was there and we had a relationship together. And so she comes to Oklahoma State. We plugged her in immediately with some of our friendships and she, she just didn't, she didn't know Jesus, but she began to hang around the Father's presence and the people of God and it began to transform her life till eventually she received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Fast forward, she's 40 years of age. She'd been battling cancer for the previous year and a half or two years. And she dies. In that same year, Winston's father died of cancer. Winston is discouraged. It was hard. And he made this statement to me. She said, he said, Rodney, I had never prayed so hard in my life. I prayed, I sought God, I fasted, I went after him. I intentionally sought his throne. I'd seen God heal cancer before, and I believed he could do it again. I saw God do miracles, I believed he could do it again. But I didn't see that with my dad, and I didn't see that with my sister. But then he said this to me. He said, I don't understand, but I know that I am closer to the Lord now than I've ever been. Because even in the dark times of life, even when it doesn't turn out the way you want it, when you are pursuing God's presence, he is going to give you the joy that's gonna get you through whatever you face in life. Also, joy is fueled by your faith in Jesus. How is your joy fueled? By faith in Jesus. By faith in Jesus. And do you realize that we can't get to our heavenly Father's presence unless we go through Jesus? Hello. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the what? Life. No man comes to the Father but through him. So if we want to be in the Father's presence, we got to go through Jesus. And our faith and joy is fueled through faith in Jesus. And how's that? I'm telling you. You know how it's like throwing gas. When you get God's word in you, it's like throwing gas on your relationship with Jesus. Because this is, the word of God is Christ. Made flesh. He said, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. From Genesis to Revelation, you want to know about Jesus? You want to fuel your relationship with him? Get in the word of God. John chapter 15 
Jesus says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my, set with me, joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Oh, God's promises and also God's people fuels your relationship with Jesus. You realize your joy is greatly influenced by your feelings, your failures, and your friends? Let me just deal with the feelings first. We're people of faith, not feelings. Now, I, I don't dis, disqualify our feelings. Our feelings are important. They have a value and a spot. But when your feelings begin to get out of line of your faith, then you've got to make your feelings line up with your faith instead of your faith falling in line with your feelings. <laughs> it's just, it is what it is. <laughs> it failures, it's easy because the devil reminds you of your failures and say, look what you did this time. Look, no, no, and he will want you to dwell on the shame and the guilt and the failure of the past and you've got to stop and remind him of his future and remind yourself of where you are in Christ right now and that your future is not based upon your past failures. You are the righteousness in Christ. And then your friends influence. That's why it's important to hang out with the right company. It's important to hang out. I want to find people that are, I mean, Holy Ghost filled, that love Jesus, that believe God's word, that are walking in righteousness. You say, well, they're hard to find, Pastor. This past week, I was in the gym. After a workout, I was getting ready. And ever I was getting ready, I just got through showering. I was getting ready. There was these three young men in their 20s. And I began to hear them talk, and I was so encouraged because oftentimes the talk in the locker room is not the type of encouraging words that I want to hear. <laughs> about getting drunk and who I slept out with and where I'm gonna go, you know. And I'm like, no, no, no. These three young men were talking. I overheard them. One of them was saying, yeah, brother, man, I'm praying for you, believing. One of them was quoting a scripture. The other one, the other one said, yeah, I'll see you tonight at the prayer stuff. And I'm like, dude, I didn't, all I did was listen. I didn't say, hey, I'm a pastor. Good to meet you guys. I, I didn't do, I just wanted to soak it in and listen. And then I was encouraged and I reminded the devil, I said, not every young person is going to hell. Not every person is making the wrong decisions. There are young people on fire for Jesus Christ making right decisions, godly decisions. You know what I wanna do? I wanna chase after those type of people. I wanna hang out with those type of people because it is going to encourage my faith and fuel it for Jesus. Where your joy comes from will determine when it runs out. If your joy is coming from a bottle, it will run out. If your joy is coming from a pill, it will run out. If your joy is coming from sex, it will run out. But if your joy is flowing from the throne room of God, it will never run out. Behind me is a picture of Karen Kuhn and Jessica. Karen is on my right, your left. Her story is something like this, really not knowing Christ at all growing up. Zero Christ experience. Own bars. Sold meth out of those bars. Eventually was busted and thrown in prison and given a pretty long sentence. But while she was in jail, she had an encounter with God. She picked up a book, didn't know what that book was, began to read it, it was a New Testament, and just from reading that word, came to know Jesus radically. God supernaturally worked on her behalf and within a year and a half was out and was in a small country church where I first met her. Eventually she came to some camps that I was doing. Eventually she knew that I was gonna start North Church and she comes up here. And she, our, some of our early salvations in our church was because of the influence of Karen Kuhn. 
She began to talk to me about how she wanted to help young ladies get off of drugs and uh, all this addictive, and, and eventually she got connected with Teen Challenge. Then she became the women's director for the state of leading, and she started one in Sepulpa, and then one at Freedom House in Shakota, Oklahoma. And God just began to bless as literally hundreds of ladies come through this over the years. So that for 15 years, and then a few years ago, she says, hey, I feel like God's calling me back. She comes back to North Church. She wants to start prison ministry. She begins to work in the prisons again. She's in the women's prison, and as the specific prison that she is working in, it is, it's chaos. She's trying to disciple and help these young ladies that are interested in growing in Christ and got saved, but yet doors are slamming, people are cussing, warden, and you're just all kinds. She it can't, no focus at all, and she, she was discouraged because she realized that the enemy's trying to fight against what God was doing. She comes to me, and we begin to pray just weeks ago, just weeks ago, and I said, let's begin to pray about this. God, she was discouraged. Her, her, her faith was waning a little bit. She said, God, I gotta hang on to the promises of God. She went into a small country church recently and just began to share the vision of what God, she wanted God to do is provide their own place at the prison so that they can gather, which is a true miracle for this to happen. Some guy comes up to her afterwards and says, hey, I wanna help you some way. She didn't know how much money he was gonna give. She just, he said, I wanna give some money toward that. Pastor Clint and Karen made access, got access into the prison. They brought this, husband, this guy and, and his wife into the prison. And they, they're in the prison. They heard the testimony of several of the ladies that lives were changed. And then they found out that there's a possibility of having a portable building that could be brought in, that could be utilized for this, but yet it had to be approved by the chaplain, had to be approved by the warden, had to be approved by the uh, Department of Corrections, which is gonna be an absolute miracle. And then you have to have money to be able to pay for that. And as they were praying, God spoke to that man to say, I will give X number of dollars. He didn't tell them exactly yet. And then after they got approval, by, which is a miracle in itself, this man comes to them and says, I wanna give $100,000 to provide for that portable building. This week we got the check for $100,000 and that building is gonna be built. In the prison. Don't tell me God will use people around you to provide for you and give you the joy that you need. Somebody say amen. amen. And finally, joy is not stifled by your struggles, but grows stronger in your struggles. Some, somebody said to me, Pastor, I could not have made it through what I went through without Jesus. Anybody ever said that, thought that? I think, I, you know what you're saying when you say that or think that? You're saying that the joy of the Lord is my strength. My strength to get through this is going to be Jesus. It has to be Jesus. As Christians, we realize that what the devil means for evil, God uses for our good and his glory. Somebody say amen. amen. That's what he does because that's who he is. Oh, 1 Peter chapter number one says these words. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains, somebody say it with me, strong. Through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. 
Though you do not see him now, you trust him. You, say it with me, rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Somebody say amen. Oh, God, do it. No matter what you're facing, I believe that even in through the struggles of life, you can get stronger because of the joy of the Lord that is your strength. Would you close your eyes? Father God, I pray that you help us right now realize that it's your joy that is my strength. It's your joy that is my hope. It is your joy that I need right now. I need the joy of the Lord in my life. Holy Spirit, speak to us right now. In Jesus' name, amen.